Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe you have goals to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to. Well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season. Well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul to Leon Taylorine, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, there's a new sheriff in town. Well, actually, more like a new police chief uh, in town. Chris Bailey, uh, former deputy chief of the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, uh, appointed this week as police chief. So, Chris, my friend, uh, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, my condolences. <laughs> and thank you, Abdul. You know, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot from a lot of people. Uh, I don't so, know if go ahead. or not. So let me ask you, my friend. Uh, so first of all, how does it feel to be police chief? You know, it, I, I'm really, really, truly honored and humbled by the, the by the opportunity that I've been given. Uh, I've had lots of, of of good opportunities over the course of my career and my life, and I've, I've everything that I have, I owe to uh, being able to serve the the citizens of Indianapolis. So I'm really proud and and honored and humbled at the same time. Uh, what is your top priority as police chief? Well, there's a few things that uh, you know we need to uh, focus on and improve upon on the agency that uh, that are going to take us some time, but one that we're willing to put in the effort. Number one is always our priority is to reduce crime and and keep our our community members and our visitors safe. That that will always be our priority, and and you know, we're we're invested invested in that. We've made a lot of substantial changes over the last four years to try to really focus on those small number of people, places, and behaviors that are responsible for violent crime. And so we're going to remain focused on that. But we have a, a retention and recruiting problem uh, with this police department and in our city and in policing generally across the nature and, and nation in major cities. We, we see uh, agencies with two to 300 uh, openings, and that is impacting us here locally. So we have to uh, do our best to find ways that we can impact the morale and uh, and uh, you know, make people want to stay and work here. Uh, some of that I'm, I'm hoping is accomplished through the next labor agreement, which uh, those negotiations between the city of Indianapolis and the Fraternal Order of Police should start uh, sometime this year. Hopefully uh, that, that uh, works in the favor of our officers and helps us keep and retain the police officers that we have here. We really want those uh, silent uh, majority of people that we believe are in our communities to step up and, and vocally support our officers. I think that our officers would love to feel and, and hear that support. A lot of times they, they're focused on the, the negativity, the things that they see on social media and the stories about, uh, you know, policing issues in other cities that they get they get lumped into and blamed for. So they would love to see that support and feel that support that I know exists, that I feel every day when I walk and then get my coffee. Uh, so when you see an officer, thank them. So that's that's number number two. And then we have to get better with our technology. You 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 folks in the media always ask us about different types of numbers. Well, I want to make as much of that available to you in our community with a click of a of a mouse button rather than having to go through a media relations office or or make a public records request. So being transparent with our data is important to me. And it'll be important for our agency, and we want to build out that transparency over the next couple of years. Well, uh, we want to understand the, uh, the you know, what, what's happened in violent crime uh, here in our city with our youth. And so we're looking into that. But we also want to understand why we saw an increase in officer-involved shootings in 2023. 
Uh, and uh, what we can do as a police department to avoid those and what the community can do to help us and, uh, and, and make sure that we're, we all go home safe. So those are just a free, few of my priorities right now, but as we move along, uh, that will increase. Uh, my friend, I know obviously uh, the job of police is to keep you know, keep the streets safe and, and work with the public. Uh, what are your what is your thoughts on, on sort of our bail system? Because one thing we, we always hear these stories about a person was arrested several times. They got out again. Uh, the, the cops did their job, which is arrest the guy. But it also takes the prosecutor and the judicial system to, to also do their part with our criminal justice, criminal justice infrastructure. Yeah, we know the police are, are the first, uh, you know, the component in the criminal justice system and it's incumbent upon us to do our job and do it do it well. And that's been my consistent message uh, over the last four years as the, as the assistant chief is that we have to focus on what we can control. And what we control is doing our job the very best we can. We can. Uh, treating individuals fairly, uh, using constitutional practices, make sure we're, we're – we're, putting together strong cases that we're getting the right statements, collecting the right evidence, that we give the prosecutor um, the right information to charge and a judge or jury to convict. That's our number one priority. As far as the, the bond and, and those things that we've seen many instances where, you know, I think we disagree with the person getting the bond and uh, and we're working to, to, to work with the judiciary to try to fix that. We had a meeting today with the, the judges who are in the process of revamping their bail matrix. And so we hope that we can see some improvements in that area that don't penalize people for low-level crimes and misdemeanors who can't afford bail or bond, uh, and but also taking into account that we have to protect our community from those violent offenders, those, those, those individuals who are willing to use a weapon of some sort um, against one of our neighbors, but also people that repeatedly uh, commit crimes who are out on bond or community corrections or uh, home monitoring that, you know, how many chances does a person get before they need to understand that, that they can't do that and they shouldn't get out of jail or shouldn't uh, should have a, a high bond. So I think people recognize that that we have to fix some of the, the issues that we've we thought we were fixing with 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 some of the reform issues, uh, being fair, being mindful that not everybody can afford bond and bail, especially those low level one time offenders. But we also have to be able to drop the hammer on those individuals who just don't get it and uh, commit crimes over and over again, putting our community in danger. Uh, Chris, also uh, with that issue of, of crime, there's also the issue of crime prevention, obviously, because you can't, obviously you can't lock everybody up because that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how has the city been doing with crime prevention? What would you like to see, uh, not necessarily change, but maybe sort of evolve to that next level of dealing with, our, dealing with crime prevention? Yeah, we, we have a great relationship with the Office of Public Health and Safety and the uh, National Criminal Justice Reform uh, organization that is uh, working with the, our group violence reduction, uh, our community violence reduction model that we've implemented here over the last couple of years. And so they're doing their part to try to intervene and prevent crime from happening and provide uh, resources and a path forward to people that, that just may not, may not know or have a path. And so we're proud of those efforts. And uh, there's uh, w- what I'm finding is, Abdul, is there's a lot more people out there with a lot a lot of needs, and there just isn't enough resources to deal with it. Whether it's mental health, or job placement, or substance abuse, or uh, or or the like, and 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 there's a lot more people than we have the ability to to, to uh, impact. So uh, we need to we need more people involved in that, and we need to engage more community-based organizations to help us uh, figure out uh, where you know where the people are and how we can bring the things to them. The other thing 
that we have to expand upon is the ever-growing uh, juvenile um, involvement, our kids involved in violent crime. Uh, that number has steadily gone up, although it represents uh, only about 10% or less of our violent crime contributors and violent crime victims. It's still nonetheless a growing problem that we have to address. I had a presentation recently by Dr. Lauren McGee from IU Indianapolis who's been studying juvenile violence. And the information that she's been able to uncover has been pretty heartbreaking and, um, and uh, you know, just terrible at the same time. Our kids, uh, and they were able to do some interviews of some of the youth uh, in our community that have been engaged in violent crime, victims or suspects in, in shootings, who say they'd rather be caught by the police with a gun than in their neighborhood without one. And uh, a lot of them are suffering from trauma at the early age of 10, 11 years old, where they've seen a friend or a family member shot and killed or someone shot in front of them. And they're carrying that, that trauma with them. It manifests itself in anger and and then which turns into bad behavior and bad decision-making. And so we have to do better of getting, uh, getting to our youth earlier on um, in their lives to try to help them cope with what they're seeing at home. They're coming to school uh, with that trauma. They're going back to those environments, and they have no way to understand how to deal with it. Our guest on the program today is uh, Indianapolis New Police Chief Chris Bailey, former deputy chief, now appointed to police chief. So we're talking about uh, how, he, how he feels about getting the job and sort of what his priorities would be, and also uh, crime, obviously. Uh, Chris, you talked about uh, police action shootings, uh, more so than usual, uh, Indianapolis. Uh, I was always taught uh, by my father, never get, son, never get into an argument with somebody who can detain you, arrest you, and necessarily uh, shoot you. What is going on there? Because it seems most of these shootings... The officers, you know, gave the order to, to the person to comply, but the individual just didn't do what they were supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a that's a key point, Abdul. I know I, I mentioned that in my press release is that, you know, compliance is key here. Uh, we are not going to litigate on the street whether or not you're guilty or not guilty of a particular crime. Uh, no officer wants to uh, pull their weapon and shoot another person knowing what comes along with that, especially in today's, um, you know, environment of social media and everybody knows who you are and the criticism just that the officers take. So no officer wants that to happen. So we, we, we need to preach that more to our, our, um, our, our community members that you need to comply with orders. If you have a weapon, which is not illegal, not illegal on its face to carry a weapon, don't reach for it. Don't do, uh, you know, let the officer know where it's at. And, and listen to the officer's orders, and everyone will go home safe. Um, so that is definitely a component of it, and uh, that that it's my hope that that the firm, uh, the partner we we contract with to help us look at these things, understands that when they when they talk to the officers as part of that evaluation. How do officers, my friend, uh, from your experience or other officers that you work with or spoken to, how do folks deal with just some of, some of, sort of sort of the vitriol uh, that is in social media about? Uh, police officers, because obviously, let's let's just shut it off and turn off completely. Uh, it's it's got to get in your head at, at least at some point in the game. Yeah, it, it and it and it does. I think that's you know why we see some of the morale issues that we see right now is that people read that they they read the comments, which I always disagree. Don't read the comments on any story or anything. Just don't do it. Is it because there's just people out there that just think that they can say say whatever they want. And a lot of times they don't know what they're talking about. And so uh, they internalize that. And, and you know, they, they, that's what they think everyone's opinion of them 
are, and most people aren't commenting on those stories. They're not saying negative things about the police. They don't understand their job, and so they recognize that and they appreciate for what they do, uh, what the officers do. So, you know, I encourage people, you know, social media should be, uh, you know, a lot of times I use it for entertainment or share pictures of my kids or tell people on Twitter, I tell people what I'm doing here on the police department. But beyond that, you get yet ignore that that nonsense, but it is very difficult to do, especially with the generation of kids that we're raising now who seemingly have been uh, facing a phone or on some kind of social media platform their entire lives. Um, it's difficult to, to just shut that off. But that's my advice to the cops is don't listen to it. Shut it off. Focus on the positive things. Focus on the things that you can control and your life will be much happier. IMPD's new, IMPD's new police chief, Chris Bailey, with us for a few more minutes uh, on the program today. Uh, Chris, I know another issue uh, that you officers have been dealing with is uh, sort of our homicide clearance rates. Uh, folks not cooperating. Uh, I jokingly say, you know, 20 people saw this guy get shot, but when the police show up, nobody saw a darn thing. Uh, what is IMP doing uh, to build up for those relationships you know, with communities, with folks, uh, so, so that we can get our homicide rate cleared, uh, or at least get a much better clearance rate? You know, that, that, that is that is a substantial problem. Um, you know, it's not just the cooperation. It's the fact that juries and, and you know, what is required to get a case filed now is extremely uh, a higher bar than it had been in the past when, you know, people talk about oh, this year we had a 75% clearance rate. That's fine. Uh, clearance, uh, clearance rate is just an arrest. What we want is we want convictions. And so we want solid, winnable cases and prosecutable cases. And so... Juries expect more from the police than they have in the past. They expect forensic evidence. They, they expect video evidence. Um, they don't necessarily just take our word for it uh, like maybe they did 25, 30 years ago. And so just putting a case together at that level is more difficult. When you add on uh, you know, a certain culture uh, in, around certain areas of our city where it, it, they're just not, people are just not going to cooperate with the police, that's challenging, especially when there isn't any video or any forensic evidence uh, to go on, and all you have is eyewitness accounts, uh, that does make it difficult to get to get the case filed and then finally get a conviction. That's some of that that is on us to 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 build better relationships with the community members and help them understand that understand there's ways to report information without being a direct witness uh, and that, that that their cooperation is meaningful. But they also are scared. They they have to go back and live in the neighborhoods where these things occur. And there's a lot of threat of retaliation uh, from people. And so some of it's not necessarily they don't dislike the police, that they, they, they fear that if they do cooperate, that they, that they or their families may be um, you know, subject to some sort of retaliation. So th- those are real things and they're real challenges, but it doesn't mean that we can't and shouldn't keep focusing on ways to build better bridges of fairness and trust, uh, transparency and cooperation with our community members to uh, to move these cases forward because the families deserve the justice um, of their loved one being killed. Uh, final, fresh, final, final question for you, Chris, uh, Mr. Police Chief. Uh, how are things looking for the All Star Weekend? You know, we we are uh, we have a robust plan. Nobody plans and, and is prepared to deal with um, large crowds and major events like the City of Indianapolis and specifically the IMPD. So everything that we can predict. Uh, we're prepared for, and those that we can't predict, we'll be prepared to respond to and try to mitigate along the way. We'll have teams out monitoring all these uh, pop-up parties and events that occur outside downtown Indianapolis, which really is where I have the most concern um, is, are those those 
you know, dance halls that just pop up or people decide they're going to open a, a bar in a, an abandoned house or Airbnbs, those type of things. But we, our intelligence unit, our nuisance abatement uh, task force, and uh, others are, are monitoring the best they can to try to mitigate these issues. But we'll be prepared with lots of cops out there. Uh, but we, we anticipate a very safe and, and a fun event here in downtown Indianapolis over the next few days. Well, my friend, one thing you would not have to worry about is me and my wife being downtown because when we've got big events, we're big downtowns, we love death, we stay indoors. So you don't have to worry about us at all, <laughs> all, all this go around. So, so, so you're all good. Yeah, you know, even some of your cigar bars are hosting parties this weekend. Yes, they are. That's why we're staying home <laughs> today. <laughs> Our good friend, uh, new IMPD police chief, Chris Bailey, with us on the program. Chris, as always, sir, thank you very much for being with us. You've been a great uh, police officer. Uh, looking forward uh, to your new job as chief. And anything you need from me, old friend, just call your stream. You, get, you got my number. All right. Thanks, Abdul, and thanks for having me. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.